This is the Noun Square Subbox Podcast, a show bringing together all the Nounist extensions, subdows, pods, and builders to highlight what's going on in the Nouniverse. The TNS Subbox was created by the Noun Square team to give a platform to all nouns extensions such as ShakDAO, Lil Nouns, NASDAO, Food Nouns, and many others to share what they're working on with others in the nouns ecosystem. The Noun Square is the information hub for all things nounish. Good morning, GM Lils. Welcome to the TNS Soapbox for a little time. This is usually our little lunch and learn, but uh, had to change it from yesterday due to a medical appointment. And so today it's an espresso education. I hope you got your espresso or some nouns coffee or something of the sort, some uh, matcha tea maybe or something with some caffeine in it so that we can all uh, chill together and learn. How are you doing, Al? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. How are things in the little universe? Doing well, I would say. Looks like we're officially going to pass our little funding prop, which is super exciting. Yeah, I, we've, I saw we've, that. I, I noticed that I think you guys might have done the first nouns omnibus proposal with that funding. You know what omnibus uh, proposals are from regular uh, boring governance outside of nouns? Um, honestly, no, I'm not familiar with omnibus. The omnibus basically is when uh, governments put like a bunch of different things into one bill to sort of efficiently, <laughs> efficiently yeah. pass it. So, so your, your, your funding most recent one looks like funding omnibus, but I, I like yeah. it. It's efficient. Sometimes you have to just be efficient and fund all the things. So they yeah. all look like reasonable numbers to me. If you're just joining us, please take a second to share the room. It's a little early, even here in EST. For those that are in uh, PST, it's probably super early. Um, so again, I apologize for having to be so early. But for those that are in Europe, it's a great time. And for those who are in APAC, it's like right in their evening. So who knows? Maybe we'll get some some lils from across the world uh, as we dive into this. So we had our Lunch and Learn last week on Thursday. It was really great. It was about the merge. We had Honk Diddley, who's a, a nouner with quite a bit of uh, <laughs> hands-on experience, both with trolling and with uh, Ethereum dev. So um, he used to work for the Ethereum Foundation. So it was great to hear from him and get sort of a deep dive on, on the difference between proof of work and proof of stake. And a question that Al said that you guys get a lot in the server is around like protection of NFTs or how to properly protect your, your wallets, especially from people who might be new to the space. So that's why we thought for today we would do as a topic a quick five easy rules how to protect your, your NFT wallets. As we go along, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to come up on the stage or even comments or, or other things to add. We want to keep it super casual. So by all means, request to come up and we'll bring you up. The five rules is how we sort of set this up. Of course, we could have like a hundred rules for this, but we tried to boil it down to five rules that are good for super beginners. Um, if you're not a beginner, some of this might be obvious to you, but it can still be helpful as ways to sort of onboard your friends who might be beginners or new people to the community uh, with Lil's in particular. With the lower price point, obviously one of our goals at Lil's is to sort of be an, an opening or a first step in to the nanoverse for, for people. So it's important to be able to give them guidance when they have questions about how to protect themselves and be their own bank. So as, as I'm saying here in the slide, if you have any NFTs or even one single NFT that you'd be devastated to lose, and by the way, that has nothing to do with the cost of the NFT. Maybe it's just a little noun that you really, really vibe with and you love it and it's your identity online or whatever, and you would be like absolutely devastated to lose it, then maybe that should be in a cold wallet. Al, do you want to tell us what a cold wallet is? Sure. Um, there's just two notable types of wallet. One being 
a hot wallet, in which you are seed phrase has been exposed to the internet. For most people, I assume this is a wallet that you've set up either through like MetaMask or maybe like Coinbase wallet, and that you've set it up directly through your phone. The alternative form of a wallet would be like a hardware wallet or old wallet, for example, one where the seed phrase has been generated by the device itself and has never been exposed to the internet. And as long as you do not expose that seed phrase to the internet, your device is technically safe. And as long as you don't submit any token approvals, your assets are completely secure within your hardware wallet. Yeah. One thing to clarify about a hardware wallet as well. So Ledger and Trezor, you may have heard those names. Those are common to the most biggest brands of hardware wallets. But one thing that I've had asked to me before is what if I lose my Ledger or I lose my Trezor or, you know, my house burns down and I lose the, the actual physical USB key looking thing that you see here on the slide. Is Are all of my, my NFTs gone? Is my crypto gone? No. So a hard wallet doesn't actually carry anything inside it. As Al mentioned, it's just your private keys that are held inside of this and then you'll have a seed phrase that's associated with it. The seed phrase itself is really what's important and that's what you need to safeguard, which we'll get into later. But as Al mentioned, this just makes sure that you can interact with your assets without being connected to the internet. So that's the point of hardware wallet. Yeah, I was just going to follow it up and say, honestly, if there's like one major takeaway from this, it is if you do not have a hardware wallet and you have assets that are very valuable to you and you do not plan on moving even like soon, this should be the one thing that you do, honestly, like for protect yourself. So I think we can move on to rule two then, Al. I'll pass it over to you. If you're going to be interacting with a website, make sure that it is the official link that you are actually looking for. Like, for example, just like always reach out to the website from like an official link section or project's official like Twitter or Discord account. Like always double check a URL or you connect to a site. Another good tip would be to like don't rely on like Google searches or even just like an open C search. For example, we have a screenshot on here. Like if if you were to search the collection nodes, for example, I'm sure you guys have seen this in the past, but if you, if you search any notable collection, there's there's always someone with an identical name. So always just like double check the assets if you're buying or trading or anything, just to like completely validate that you are actually going for what you're what you've intended to go for here. Rule number three: Whenever you're connecting or your site to your MetaMask wallet, imagine that you're asking a few questions to someone who's trying to enter your bank vault and you know where you keep all of your your valuables. Essentially, all that to say, read what you are signing on your Meta. Mask wallet or whatever wallet you do use. When those little pop-ups come up again, uh, it comes back to complacency. Sometimes we just get into a flow of things and we're like, yes, approve, approve, approve. These are, this is a way that, for example, the previous example of the individual who was scammed on LooksRare could have caught it because guaranteed if he had looked at the what he was signing, it was an approval transaction, which would never be needed on uh, either LooksRare or OpenSea. So when you're connecting something to your wallet and it's giving you a specific request for permission, you don't read it. Because read it as if someone was coming to your door and saying, do you mind if I come in and look at all your valuables because that's basically what you're allowing them to do. Yeah, so the next one is to just keep your DMs off on Discord and basically like always be skeptical. Links from anyone that you don't know or trust. Just in general, kind of be wary of that and, and just like always keep your guard up. I mean, you never really know. Also, if someone needs to communicate with you on Discord, it's very easy for them to friend request and it's just an easy first step to make sure that you, you know who you're talking to for the most part. So yeah, I mean, you can still get scammed obviously by somebody who friend requests you and goes through that 
that whole process, but why not set up an additional habit of making sure that you're not being bombarded by scams? And the more active you are in, in Web3 and in nouns, the more scams you're going to get in your DMs if you keep them open. So yeah, just to, I guess, build off this rule, never give anyone the seed phrase out to your wallet ever. This is quite literally giving away like your master key that, that gives you access to your wallet, even if you were to lose it, for example. What, what is this? Actually, maybe we should take a step back and you can explain what a seed phrase is for anyone who's listening now or listening back who might not know exactly what you mean by that phrase. Sure. So I feel like you kind of explained it in a bit, like this idea of like your wallet is essentially, it doesn't hold your assets, but all, all of your assets are just kind of, they live on the Ethereum blockchain. And your wallet is like a mechanism that contains a private key. And that private key is required to authenticate transactions. So for example, if you were to lose your wallet or you'd want to add your wallet to a different device, in order to do that, you need what is called the seed phrase that is provided to you when you set up the wallet is a 12, 18, or 24 word, like or series of words that you can use to recover your wallet's private. This right. should not be information that you share with absolutely anyone. It, it is something that you should be given that time of setting up your wallet and you should lock it away somewhere safe. Certainly not recommended to keep your seed phrase in like a Google Doc, for example, or like a notepad on your phone that is synced to some sort of cloud service. In, in a perfect world, the most secure version of a seed phrase is one that is generated directly from the device itself. So like a ledger, you know, a cold wallet, for example, where that seed phrase has never been exposed to the internet. And if you can record it in a place with nobody around and then go put it somewhere safe, you know, obviously like fire resistant or whatever you got to do to make sure that that document is essentially unseen, untouched and untamperable. That, that scenario is your best shot at being completely secure. One last point on there, Al, I guess is about screen sharing. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. No, this is honestly pretty smart. So never share your screen for any reason with someone that you don't know. Or if you have to share your screen, like never interact with your wallet on the screen or could accidentally expose your seed phrase in the preferences. Yeah, I mean, this is another way to just kind of avoid yourself from social engineering. And if you just get some sort of malicious actor who, you know, claims that they're going to help you or we're trying to act like it wasn't working, blah, blah, blah. They were trying to get me to screen share and jump into my thing. And I was like, this is not real. And obviously just left the call. Rule number five is never, ever make deals with anyone to trade NFTs for Ethereum or any other asset unless you trust that person with your life because if you're not doing it through a trusted intermediary whether that be OpenSea or something like Swap Kiwi, which is developed by a noun owner Nifty Not so if you're not using one of these trusted sites to do your swap then just know that you're basically taking a huge risk and essentially trading someone your NFT for a piece of paper that says I promise you I'm going to send you Ethereum back very common vector for attack because a lot of people are very trusting and scammers can be very good at social engineering and making you feel like that your friends or, or whatever don't feel like you need to trust someone with an asset that's worth and uh, has uh, value to you as well there's nothing wrong with with being secure and making sure that you're using an intermediary even if that intermediary caught you know charges a little bit for the transaction uh, in my opinion it's worth it for the for the peace of mind yeah i mean it's a, essentially a guarantee that no one can scam one another for those who have never used swap kiwi it's Honestly, fantastic. You can put up assets like whether NFTs or recently they've added functionality to bundle NFTs plus ETH and you can make direct over the counter trades with, with somebody and it's it's essentially just an escrow. So you don't have to you don't have to worry about any sort of trust aspect. You both have to put up your ends of the trade and you both have to validate the person put up what they said they were gonna put up, and then you only like you both have to sign that transaction in order for a swap to actually occur. So there's essentially no reason that you should ever 
just do an over-the-counter deal with someone that you literally don't trust with your entire life when, when you have very easy-to-use services like Swap Kiwi. And by by the way, speaking of escrow, because that's exactly what Swap Kiwi is, it's a smart contract escrow. If anyone ever asks you to be an escrow, also a scam. Very common scam that was going around a few months ago. Basically, in conclusion, if you're following along on the slides, just remember that when you first got into NFTs and crypto, you essentially were making a decision to be a custodian of your own assets. Or as we said earlier in the presentation, you are now your own bank. It's awesome to be your own bank, but one of the sort of drawbacks is that you are responsible for your own security. So, you know, yes, you have control over your, your own assets, but hopefully you guys have found these rules helpful and they're not exhaustive by any means. But if you or any beginners or people that you're trying to onboard follow these rules, they'll be in a lot better position, I think, in terms of not exposing themselves unnecessarily to scams. That's all we had for you today. Thank you for listening to the TNS Sopbox podcast. You can catch the TNS Sopbox shows happening live on announced creator spaces every day in between the 24-hour noun o'clock. The weekly lineup can be found at thenounsquare.info slash events. Cheers. We'll see you next time.